Hey, you're listening to Meet the Difference Makers, an Enroll Films podcast where we talk to the difference makers inside higher education. Each episode is crafted to bring you a dose of encouragement, a spark of inspiration, and a heartfelt reminder that the incredible work you're doing in higher ed is changing lives. And now your host, Ryan Coral. In today's episode of Meet the Difference Makers, I chat with husband and wife, John and Sarah Barton, who work at the amazingly beautiful uh, Pepperdine University. And we cover topics like holistic student development. We talk about the role of community in higher education. And we also talk about the challenges and opportunities in the current educational landscape. These two are, they've been friends of mine for a long time. They've had a huge impact on my story, and I'm really excited for you to meet them. But before we dive in, if you are in development or marketing at your institution, I have a free resource that can help you enroll students, engage alumni, and get more donors. It is called our Testimonial Capture Checklist, which will help you stand apart from your competition and tell the most powerful, life-changing stories that are happening because of your school. These stories aren't happening anywhere else, and you need to be telling them in the the most uh, powerful way in order for them to be the most as effective as they could and should be. You can download this uh, free resource by going to enrollfilms.com slash checklist. Uh, It's totally free when you download it. I'm also including another bonus video with our alumni engagement hack. This is, I think, a game changer for being able to engage alumni and get them to willingly share powerful transformational stories from your institution, the the things that happen at your institution uh, that put them on a different trajectory. Uh, It's gonna show you exactly how to do that. And then I'm also gonna share with you how to automate this entire process, ensuring that you are consistently capturing high quality, authentic testimonials that are gonna resonate with your audience. Go download it at enrollfilms.com slash checklist. Almost forgot the URL. (laughs) All right, with that, let's jump into today's interview with John and Sarah Barton. What's up, friends? Welcome to another episode of the show. Today with me, I have I have two very special friends. They're an adorable couple. Let's start there. Uh, John and Sarah Barton, who I knew for like literally, I think forever, the definition of forever ago, uh, back at our days at Rochester College. Today, they're both at Pepperdine University. Sarah is the university chaplain, and John is the professor of religion and also the director of the Center of Faith and religion. Did I get that right, John? Is that close enough-ish? Faith and learning. Yeah. Faith, yeah. That. Faith and learning. <laughs> Amazing. So these two are, they, they've been in higher, in the world of higher ed for a long time. Uh, they, they were, uh, John was a professor back uh, at my days at Rochester and Sarah was the chaplain and uh, both have had uh, just an amazing impact on my life, my wife's life, and so many other students that I know were there uh, at the time that you guys were there, and uh, and you guys continue to uh, make your mark uh, in this in this uh, the world of higher ed. So it is fitting that uh, that you're on the Meet the Difference Makers show. So welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. You know, we always like to say, you said we had an influence on you. You had, you and Andrea and your cohort of students had an influence on us too. So it always goes rich and reciprocal. Yeah. Notice she didn't say what kind of influence. She just said, hey, we had an influence. (laughs) You listen to that right thing. (laughs) (laughs) So tell, tell us a little bit about 
your passion. I mean, you guys have invested the the greater, I think, the greater part of your lives in this work. Like, why does it matter to you? Why 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 have you guys given so much of yourselves to this work? Well, yeah, thank. And by the way, it's a lot of fun to to connect with you, Ryan, uh, and oh, to talk about things. So, uh, you know. That I'd say for me, I, I am very passionate about the work of higher education. Sarah and I have been at this for uh, almost 25 years now. And um, I, you know, higher education has a lot of challenges right now. I mean, there are a lot of things that need to be addressed, skyrocketing costs, student debt. There's actually like, some, some challenges with regard, re, to regard, with regard to public perception of higher education. But with all those things said, and those need to be addressed, I think it is still just profoundly true that college experiences provides a unique opportunity, especially for young people, traditional college students, to develop and to, to grow, to mature, and to prepare themselves for lives of service, for lives of meaning, for lives of joy. And uh, I, I think it's just a, a, a profoundly unique space. And to be able to be a part of that um, I mean, we received that as college students ourselves and to be able yeah. to pay that forward and to be a part of it for new generations of young people uh, is, is, is deeply meaningful for us. Yeah, I, I just added that my own university education set me on a trajectory that um, taught me to be a better service oriented person, more engaged in community an understanding of glo the global context so I want to be a part of that for university students now. I love that. And John, was there like, was that your college experience too, where you felt like that? Or was there a different moment where you just said like, no, this is the work that I really feel called to do? Uh, no, without question. It happened during my college years, actually toward the end of my college years. So oh. I often, uh, Sarah actually usually makes fun of me, but uh, the first couple of years in college, I had like 12 majors. I, di I didn't know. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had very little direction. At one point, I was even a math major, which is really quite a, a joke. You know, <laughs> Yeah, he was computer. He did computers for a while. I mean, if, <laughs> if, if you want this world to go awry, let me start crunching numbers for people. I mean, it's, it's, it's but I was on a I was on a journey. I was on a search. Yeah. I, I was I was trying to figure out what I was good at, what I was interested in, what I cared about. Um, and I was maturing and growing up. And, and when you put that in the context of classes that I was taking, but even more importantly, professors that were mentoring us, relationships and friendships we were building, Sarah and I together. By the end of our, by, by the time I was a junior, um, it was starting to coalesce around some challenges that I had been given by mentors to, to enter into uh, some areas that became my career and became my employment, became my passion, especially around religious diversity and service and around the African continent, which was not on my radar <laughs> at all before my junior year in college. And there were just a couple of relationships and a couple of conversations that I can point to mm. that at the time just thought, oh, that was an interesting conversation. When I look back on it now, it was a complete trajectory shift. I mean, it, it just changed and opened up my imagination and opened up my world in ways that I'm deeply, deeply grateful and have been very meaningful to isn't that amazing how you can have, I mean, there, there, there's a theme here with the conversations that I've been able to have 
a, a seemingly meaningless conversation or a sentence that somebody says, whether they felt like compelled to say it or it just like kind of like came out in that moment changes almost everything. Yeah. And I, I would even add to that, too. Another theme is just and this is true for so many people that I talk to, certainly true for me is how you don't quite know how where life and where influences and where relationships are going to guide you and nudge you and push you. And it's, it's a great adventure. Uh, I, I, we're with undergrads all the time that think that by the end of their sophomore year, they have to decide what they're going to do for the next 60 years. And they're wrestling with that. They're anxious about it. What do I major in? What am I going to do? And some of what we want to say through our own testimonies and through our own teaching is just to say, hey, it's okay you're being formed right now in some ways that will take you in directions that you can't even predict right now. Yeah. And that's okay. Uh, uh, there, there are things waiting for you out there. You're preparing for things that may not even exist yet or that or, or not even in your mind yet. Um, but you're, you're doing the formational work that will take you in some really exciting and important directions. It's fun to be a part of that kind of work. Yeah. yeah. You're like, take it from me, 12 major... John, you know, uh, and then just give us a snippet of your guys' story. Uh, you, you weren't married in college. Is that right? Just after college. I got married my senior year of, of college. Oh yeah. She was a senior. Yeah. I was a senior. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, we, we got married young, um, like you did. And, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, we met, we, um, we had, we found out we cared about a lot of the same things and what, 33 years later, here we are. Oh man, that's amazing. What, what would you say in all, all of these years working in hire, what have you guys, what have you learned about yourselves? You know, um, I think that one of the things I've learned is that I'm really called into some hard conversations and that may not sound really feel good um, to to you know to hear in one way, but university stu- students are dealing with hard things. They're they're figuring out who, where they are in the world. They're uh, you know there are these markers of what it means to be a an emerging adult. I don't know if you've heard that that term before. It's a maybe a relatively new term to describe that when I was growing up, um, you became an adult when you turned 18 or when you turned 21 or when you graduated from college, it was, it was linear. It's, it's not linear. Now the world is complicated. There's, there's like John mentioned, there's debt, there are all of these things. So now becoming an adult is a journey. Um, you emerge into adulthood. So, you know, there are these markers of becoming an adult. There is um, identity exploration. Uh, young people are figuring out who they are in relation to work. What are they called to do? Um, it's not, it, it's like the, the world is changing and technology is changing. So they need to be ready for a variety of things like John was just talking about. So they're figuring out who am I? What is my purpose? What am I called to? They're figuring out love and community and belonging. They're figuring out belief and faith in a, in a world that's ever changing when it comes to spirituality and religion. 
Um, another marker is just instability. The world is is feels unstable uh, right now as they adjust to college, they adjust to what they want to do in life. And so that instability is something that I find really interesting. And then this just, it's a time of transition and transitions are not always easy. Who am I? Where will I live? What will I do? Who are my people? What are all the possibilities in the world? And so while those are all exciting things, they're also, it's a bit of a crisis. And so I feel really called into walking with young people through those crises and giving them a non-anxious presence that it's okay. It doesn't have to feel like as big of a crisis as it is. And so I love that part of higher education. Um, I love those features of what it means to become an adult. I just, just this week, I was talking to a student where I said to her, you know, you're becoming an adult. You're going from this adolescent experience that's got very black and it's marked by very black and white thinking. And now you're entering what it means to be adult where there's a lot of gray and you've got a lot of things to figure out. And her eyes lit up and she said, I am becoming an adult. And so I love those conversations. And that's been, I think, what drew me into it years ago and what sustains me and keeps me in it. Wow. That's, uh, I love that. Uh, John, any, I mean, do you resonate with that or is your, is your perspective a little bit different? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, if you're asking, what have I learned about myself, uh, through the years, uh, with regard to all this stuff, I mean, certainly one of the things that I have, I have found to be one of my passions is uh, knowing what it means. Like I, I was always told as a, and maybe this was because in the home that I grew up in, in the college that I went to as a young man, you know, I was told you need to be a leader. You need to, you know, make sure you find your leadership roles. And I'm, I'm all about leadership, but I think sometimes we overdo the leadership thing, telling everyone you got to be a leader. Um, where I, I've come to appreciate and have a deeper passion for what does it mean for all of us to be collaborators? And, and what contributions do I have to make to the world? What contributions do I have to make in the community that I'm a part of? Um, and sometimes those contributions will take the form of leadership. Sometimes those contributions will take the form of submission, listening, partnering, whatever it might be. But I've, I've, I've learned that about myself is that I, I, uh, I'm deeply drawn to the idea of collaboration and collaborative communities and trying to be a productive part of that. And so I, I try to model that to my students, even in, in classrooms, you know, where I, obviously I'm the leader of my classroom, I'm the professor. And yet I try to teach in such a way that invites and respects the things the students have to teach me in, in that moment. And I learn you know, this is a cliche, but when you teach, you always learn more than you, you, you always end up learning more from your students than you teach them in some ways. Um, I, I just hope that I'm giving them as much as they're giving me. Um, but I think that's beautiful. And I, I've come to really uh, value that and, uh, and, and really feel passionate about that kind of collaborative interactions. And so I try to model that. I try to invite people into that. I try to give them the permission to 
not just go out and be lone rangers, but to go out and be members of communities where they can collaborate and contribute what they have and receive gifts from what other people have. And so I think that's one thing that, that comes to my mind. Mm. It's so good. I think about just it, even in my own work, part, part of what I do is educate other filmmakers in, in this work. And, you know, almost 20 years doing this work, I've made plenty of mistakes. I've, I've done some things right. And, uh, from the beginning, I've tried to surround myself with other people that care about this work and that are passionate about it. And, um, I've loved having a community. Uh, I've loved uh, having people I can collaborate with. And yep. uh, a lot of times people are like, man, you're giving away, you know, you've got this podcast where you, you're teaching other filmmakers, you're giving away your secret sauce. And I'm like, man, I just believe so much more in the power of collabor collaboration uh, over competition. It's just, it's, it's yeah. a way more enjoyable way to live. But then also, I think it's just like way more how we're designed to be. Um, I was talking with Mark Manry uh, over Marco Polo, a mutual friend of ours. And we're, I was debriefing my time in Uganda. And he said, what was like one of your biggest takeaways? And I said, I think, man, the way that the Ugandans, uh, the way that they love each other. Like they, uh -huh. they, they feel like neighbors and they feel like they're living out, uh, this, this call from Jesus to love your neighbor, like you love yourself. And I just saw that in a way that I've, it, it barely exists here in the way that it yeah. does there. And, and Mark made a good point. He's like, yeah, he's like, it's, it is crazy how they do that. He's like, in, in a lot of times it's for their survival that they have to do yeah. that. And I'm like, oh, that's an interesting perspective. But regardless, uh, the way that it has brought those people yeah. together, it's beautiful. It is very, very yeah. powerful. Yeah, and this, I mean, this is a very, we could say a lot more about this, but what you just said reminds me of even words of Jesus when Jesus says things like, blessed are the poor. That, that, that means a lot of things, but maybe one of the things that it means is that people that live in different kinds of poverty, um, uh, are actually set up for more healthy human interactions in some ways because power and wealth often can make people feel independent, self-standing, um, uh, as if we don't need other people. And I mean, we don't want people to live in poverty. I mean, the reason our nonprofit exists, uh, Kibo exists, is to try to help to, to help address the challenges of poverty in people's lives. But the best way to address that is through community and through collaboration. And in some ways, it's that it's that sense of in, uh, of being impoverished that makes you realize I can't do this on my own. I need others. I need to work with others. We need to be together. And even those of us that live in more privileged, affluent worlds, embracing and understanding our own forms of poverty, it seems to me, uh, with humility, it seems to me is a key for then opening ourselves up to community, to collaboration, to more healthy human living. Um, so yeah, those are, those are lessons learned in all directions. Yeah, having lived almost a decade in um, you know, another context, another culture, we were shaped by uh, a more uh, learning how to be communal people. <laughs> Um, and I think that influences our work now. Um, I actually, this kind of makes me think about an experience I had last month. I, I got a call on a Wednesday and it's from another university chaplain at university of Southern California here. 
in the area. And he said, um, the Surgeon General of the United States will be here tomorrow and wants to meet with some university chaplains to talk about um, loneliness among young people. So this fits, I think, with this social connection idea. And um, it's, uh, uh, let's see, I wrote it down, one in five adults um, and more than one in three young adults live with mental illness in the United States. So here we are talking about at least traditional university students, one in three are experiencing mental health concerns. And what he talked to us about that day, there were three of us chaplains who were who were there. He talked about the research that shows that much of the medicine for loneliness, which is an underlying factor to some of our mental health concerns, he zeroed in on that and he wanted to talk to us about how the medicine for, um, or the prescription, I guess I could say, for loneliness is social connection. And um, we talked specifically as chaplains about the religious and spiritual dimensions of social connection and loneliness and how that can be uh, nurtured in order to, um, I guess, uh, really fight this uh, this, uh, what we could think of as a, almost a pandemic of loneliness. Um, so I think in higher education, we have this opportunity to, because university students love their people, they find their people, love their people. You probably, you had your people. I remember who your people are (laughs) and, um, you find your people But how do we help, um, as universities, how do we help them think about what does that look like after college? Because it won't be the same exact kind of shared experience. So I, I like the idea of thinking about how we as educators here in the United States can nurture those kinds of communities, connection, um, so that when when we're not in college anymore, we still know how to go and make friends, how to collaborate, how to work together for good, um, how to connect intergenerationally. Because when you're in at least traditional, uh, a traditional four year undergraduate experience, you're often around people your age. What's it like then to, um, to connect with people intergenerationally? Um, I, I started a, or, or, or worked heavily on a spiritual mentoring program with, with um, students. And I found that if you offer a spiritual mentoring program and you can have someone who's kind of ahead of you in life mentor you, I just got people to sign up for that right and left because that was a, a need they had. They want that kind of intergenerational social connection. So we're working on some things like that. How do we... How we really work on these um, this 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 ability to connect socially in a world and in a in an environment where that's not always easy for us. 
And one, one thing that I'm mean, even hearing Sarah talk about those things, one thing that that highlights for us, I mean, part of our conviction about what's so special about higher ed and the college experience is this kind of holistic formational. I mean, going to college for us is not just about gaining information. It's about experiencing transformation. You know, it's a, obviously you go to college to get credentials and to get prepared for employment. I mean, that, that's, that's an important part of it, but it's so much more than that. You know, it's in, and one of the quotes I like is that college is not just to help us learn how to make a living. It's to, to help us learn how to live. You know, it's a, there, there, that career and, and employment and the, the, the more credentialing side of college is all wrapped up in this bigger need for what it means to live well and to, and to, to, to live in community and to uh, seek purpose and to seek health, um, all kinds of health and, the, and to, to seek mentorship and all these things that we're talking about, spiritual development and intellectual development, emotional development. And college provides this unbelievably unique context for all of that to happen. Um, uh, it, it really is. It's, it's really a privilege to live in that kind of environment and work in that kind of environment. And you can hear even in what Sarah's saying, what I'm saying, that that's, that's our approach to everything that we do and why we're so passionate about it. Yeah. Last night we had um, here, we, we're in our house right now. And last night we had a group of students here um, and we're leading a discussion just called um, taking Jesus at his word. Like, what if we really took Jesus at his word? And last night in particular, we talked a lot about purpose and community and what it means to to really live um, in service to others. If we take Jesus seriously in that way, what does it mean? And I just loved hearing the students share where they really are in that and how they're thinking about their education. They talked about their education um, and the investment, the financial investment of education and the time investment, but how they really hope for it to serve others in the future. I mean, I was just inspired by what they, what they had to say right here in this room last night. So good. I, as you guys are sharing about community and that experience, I was remembering, uh, do you guys remember dinner at six? Oh yeah. yeah. I loved that program. Yeah. So I was thinking about that and then you, and then you said, oh yeah, we had some students over at our house. Uh, so if you, if you haven't heard me share about this, that was, I think just, it was just one of my favorite things in my university experience where uh, a professor uh, could, or I guess anybody that worked at the college could uh, sign up for a night to host however many students they could fit, four students, six students, eight students, and it'd be down by the cafeteria. So we'd be waiting in line uh, to get our amazing, you know, cafeteria food. And you could sign up to have dinner at somebody's house, like next week on Wednesday night, six o'clock. And being able to go into homes of uh, these families, these professors, and to see uh, just uh, uh, families, like something different, like so, so many, like I, I didn't have, um, experiences like that. I mean, sure. I, you know, I'd go to my buddy's house and would have dinner or whatever, but it wasn't, it wasn't like this, like this was, it was intentional conversation. It was like, um, I mean, I had my first espresso at a dinner for six and I didn't go to sleep, I think until the 6 AM the next day. Cause I was like, what is happening to my body? Right now? Uh, yeah. That's so I, I just, you know, I've come full circle as my kids are getting older 
I've realized, and you know, we did this documentary on Garth and, uh, you know, the impact that he's had on so many in my life. And I'm just realizing like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that there was probably a decade or so where I was like, I, I don't, I'm not sure that we're going to like highly encourage our kids to consider college. And now I'm like, oh man, there's, there are these developmental years that if all my kids experience is high school and then they go into the workforce, I'm like, oh gosh, like there, there's so much missed by not having this, like this opportunity for community in a different way, like in their own way. Right. Because we went to college, our parents didn't go with us. So we kind of got to pick our people and so incredibly important. So, you know, you're talking about intergenerational, you know, being able to go to a professor's home and be in their home and, and, and have like meaningful conversations and understand like, wow, like I'm thinking about dinner at my house and it was, you know, we, we would be watching the hockey game while we, we ate dinner. It, it was like, uh, you know, waiting for the Red Wings to score. And that, that, that was, and maybe I'd get in trouble, but it wasn't like, you know, deep, meaningful, like purposeful. Uh, and, and I just feel like there's so much in this work. And that's why I'm just so excited to be in this space now and realizing the importance of it and the impact of it. And, and just knowing that you guys are still carrying the torch and still doing uh, the things that are so meaningful. It's, it's just so encouraging. You know, um, in all of these years, we, we know many um, educators and professors who work in the classroom or people who work in student development, people who work in Um, advancement and help raise money to make all this possible or who are administrators. And I've just met so many who are drawn to this work because they really care about young people and what you just described that you want for your own kids. Um, Now that doesn't mean everyone's perfect or everyone does it perfectly or there aren't bumps along the way, but I can say that, by and large, the major the the majority of people we've ever worked with do this for um, because they love they love young people and want to be a part of helping them succeed. Um, I remember when I was uh, teaching and I was in the classroom and. A student wrote, told me she wasn't a good writer. She didn't know how to write. She didn't learn it well in, in um, high school. And she wrote a very good essay in just what was a, you know, a, comp- a simple composition class. And when she did it well, and I could show her why she did it well, it w- was, a, I like your light bulb in the background. It was like a, the light bulb. <laughs> it was like the light bulb did come on. Yeah. <laughs> over her head. And I thought, this is what it's about. This light bulb comes on for her that she can write. She can articulate herself really well. And she was writing about the pros and cons of certain hair straighteners. (laughs) And I had told her. Something close to my heart. Yeah. Yes, obviously. (laughs) It was like a tourmaline. I, I, I can't remember the exact word. But what did I do? I went out and bought that kind of hair straightener (laughs) because her essay was so compelling. So helping her find something she really cared about to write about was the key. And that light bulb, I remember that I can picture her face um, 
to this day, how exciting that was. But that also highlights the other piece, obviously, <laughs> of higher education is while the community piece and the mentoring and the intergenerational stuff is key. I mean, it's so important, yeah. but it's also put into it's not it's not just a big social club. I mean, higher education is also the space where you refine yourself. Where, you, where you're introduced through academic studies and through classes where you're challenged to become disciplined, to become serious about what you think, how you articulate yeah. yourself, um, thinking before you speak, uh, testing your own assumptions. It's, it's this time of, of critical assessment and evaluation that also takes place that is so important and so sharpening for people to be productive uh, uh, members of society. And so you're, 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 you're defining yourself and sharpening yourself in the context of these relationships and mentors and safe spaces of guidance. It's just, uh, I mean, every side of this is, is so important, I think. And so, yeah. That is good. <laughs> um, reflecting on your, your own journeys, is there or has there been a difference maker in your higher ed career? And you can't say like, oh, Sarah has been or oh, John has been. That's, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. A, that's a given. Yeah. You know, I was thinking um, recently about Beth Van Reenen and mm. I, that's, I don't that's know. That's who fed you... me my first espresso. So, <laughs> yeah, really? Oh, oh, I love it. <laughs> know that's someone we both know, but you might not realize when I was a university student and and um, preparing to be an English teacher, and that was my first job. She was my when I did my student teaching. She I was in her classroom in Arkansas before we all lived in Michigan, and Beth um, really took me on. Like this was not in the classroom, but it was a it was my education to learn how to be a really good English teacher. She was teaching um, high school at a local school and I was matched with her. And she gave me this assignment to put together a lesson on misplaced and dangling modifiers, which it's like when the modifier in the sentence gets put, you know, like with the the wrong thing and you say something you don't mean to say, like, you know, the waitress served a dinner roll to the woman that was well buttered. And, <laughs> you know, like, or you let's can't eat grandma. Say, yeah, <laughs> but you can't say the woman was well buttered. So I had, I remember this responsibility for the rest of their lives, these 10th graders are going to have misplaced modifiers if I don't mm. do the lesson really well. But Beth um, taught me how to do a, how to prepare a good lesson. She coached me. She showed me how to do it. I got up in front of all those students and I gave a great lesson. On, and it was funny and it was mm. interesting. And I think if I could find some of those students now, they might remember mm. that was, it was it was stellar. So I just think Beth had a way um, we could say Dr. Van Reenen. That's right. Dr. Van Reenen had a way of um, teaching so practically where she she gave you the concepts that you needed, but she gave you the opportunity to do it yourself. Mm. And I don't know if that was your experience. I mean, there you go. She taught you about espressos. <laughs> but 
<laughs> here's what not to do is drink one this late at night. Um, but she really influenced my higher education journey. And even later in my life, we ran, we ran a half marathon together in Chicago. We, you know, she, she just really was um, a good influence for me. So I I would mention Beth Van Reenen. I love that. That's so good. Yeah. There, there aren't a lot of one-liners that I remember from college, uh, but one that I do remember is from her. And she said, if uh, quizzes, she said, if I call quizzes or quizzes, quizzes, uh, what do I call tests? And I was like, oh. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, this is coming from this cute professor. I'm like, this, is this okay? The school Christian, can you say that? Uh, that she amazing. did that. She pushed the edges. Um, <laughs> Pussy, yeah, I love it. I know. And that was like, you need that a little bit. She was, she's so lighthearted and funny. Oh, That's <laughs> yep. Yep. What about yeah. you, John? So I, I thought about a, a professor I had at, at Harding uh, University when we were there um, named James Walters. And he, uh, so I said, you know, the first two or three years of my college career, uh, I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. I was mostly a goof off. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty lucky that I made it through the first couple of years of, of college. Uh, but when I started kind of getting more serious and, and I was being mentored uh, toward thinking about life in more serious tones and, and wanting to be something and wanting to make sure that I'm using my time well, I wish that had happened a little bit earlier. But my junior year, I got I, there was one professor in particular that really I, I respected so much. He was a he was a, a Bible teacher, and I respected who he was. I respected how serious he. I mean, he was fun, and he he would have us over, and you know we would we'd have fun with him. But he was serious about his work, and he's passionate about his work. And I started to see that, and I started to want that. And I took him for a class and I remember I, I, it was at a time where I thought, all right, it's time for me to get serious. You know, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to become a good student. And I remember in his class, I wrote my first really my junior year where I wrote my first paper that I took seriously <laughs> and I worked hard at it. I mean, I, I, I didn't just blow it out the, the last night. You know, I, I worked actually for, you know, for some time on it and did my absolute best. It was by far the best research paper I had ever written. And I turned it in and I got it back and it had red ink all over it. And it, it was like a C minus. Oh. And I remember thinking, oh, it was so discouraging to me. And I came to him. I was embarrassed. I, and I just said, you know, I'm so sorry. You know, I tried so hard. And he just enveloped me in, in grace. And he affirmed me and he said, he told me that he how much potential he saw in me. And he said, I saw so much potential in, in you and in this paper. I was not going to let it pass off easily. I think what you started here is you started a road towards something that was excellent. And and it just gave me this new like I got a C minus and it, I, I, well, I walked out feeling affirmed, you know, but it but it, it 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 was like a good coach when you go into a, you know, when you're working out or you're trying to train for some kind of athletic thing and 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 they push you and they they might even push you a little farther than you want to be pushed. And it makes your muscles sore and it makes you discouraged. But it's all part of this road toward development and toward yeah. confidence and toward excellence. And I learned so much from his comments because I took them seriously that time and I steadily got better. And by the time I was in graduate school, 
I was writing papers and doing things that were on a much higher level of quality, but it was because of that C minus that I got from James Walters and the encouragement and the confidence that he gave me. And, and that's so much more than just academic development for me. That was, that was life development. That was about self-confidence and about, um, about pursuing something that's worthwhile, uh, worth pursuing and, 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 you know, developing my muscles, intellectual and emotional muscles. And uh, I just really, that, that's one of the things that I, that really shaped me in some very important ways. It's really funny because oh. I haven't told John this yet, but um, no, last night when the students were here, I asked this, we've just had midterms and I asked one of the students, how'd you do on midterms? And he said, oh, I'm so embarrassed. I got a B minus in Dr. Barton's class and I, it had so much red, you know, there's so much red <laughs> ink and I'm so worried and I wanted to make him proud because, you know, I like him. And I said, I said to him, I said, I can promise you when you go talk to him about that paper, he will have reasons why he put every mark on that paper and you will feel better about yourself. Like I just said that to him. So anyway, um, it's, it goes on and on, you pay, know, pay it forward. Yeah, pay it yeah. forward. <laughs> but anyway, that's uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's great. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah that just happened. <laughs> that's so fun. Oh man, this has been so so good, you guys. Uh, I wish we could, uh, you know, grab an espresso and stay up till six in the morning and <laughs> keep going. Yeah. Um, I, before, before, yeah. <laughs> before we wrap, I'd love for you uh, both to just kind of share, like, how 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 do you want to encourage uh, the people in your space that are doing this very meaningful work? Um, so I, I direct a center at Pepperdine called the Center for Faith and Learning. And part of what the, the mission and the goal of that center is, is to make sure that we are forming the formers. Uh, and what, what I mean is, uh, if we want to invite young people, students into spaces where they're open uh, to transformation and, the, and they're pursuing flourishing lives and, and they're taking seriously uh, their own development, we as educators have to model that for them. Um, and so the center that I run actually tries to create spaces where um, uh, where where faculty are developed themselves and they're taking seriously their own vocational uh, trajectories at their at their life stage and that they're 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 wrestling with their own formation so that we can invite students into those spaces authentically um, and so I, I care a lot about that. And I would just encourage people in our spaces to, uh, to continue to be lifelong learners and to the, the, the lessons that we give 18-year-olds in class, um, to continue to incorporate those and embody those and to embrace those ongoingly throughout the decades of our, of our work. And as we do that, not only do we develop and, and continue to flourish ourselves, but we create more authentic spaces for the young people, uh, the students in our care to not just hear us talk about these things, but to see it modeled for them. Um, and so it becomes that reciprocal thing of flourishing. Love that. Yeah. And I would just say that for, for educators, um, I mean, studies show that if a young person hears, I understand that some of these things are hard that figuring out your career is hard, that social relationships are hard, that identity formation is hard. 
um, it's not all easy. Just them knowing that someone else understands it and sees it makes a huge difference. So that's how I would, that's how I would encourage others is just to say, this is um, like, just let young people know that you remember what it was like to be young. Yeah, that's really good. Well said. Oh, I love it. Um, thank you guys so much um, for anybody that wants to follow along, reach out. Uh, Sarah, I think you may have a podcast. Can you share a little bit about that and, yeah. and how people might be able to, to check in with you guys? Yeah, I, I have a podcast with my uh, with our daughter-in-law. Her name is Fallon. And um, we both work with um, emerging adults. And it's called Emerge. So it's about, it's for educators, it's for people in ministry, and it helps us to think about what it's like to serve emerging adults. So it's for, it's for educators. So uh, check it out or in all the places you find your podcasts, Emerge, questions that matter for young adults. Any emails or you guys LinkedIn, Instagram, people want to reach out? What's the best way for them to do that? They can find me on Instagram. John has never been on social media ever. So I'm ahead of the curve. He has, he has the crown, <laughs> the crown on his head, but you can oh, find me at Sarah G. Barton. Yeah. I, I do do email uh, or, or, or you can send up smoke signals. I, I don't know which but actually, I, I also co-host a podcast for a national organization called NetView, which is the Network for Vocational Development and Undergraduate Education. And, um, and we, it, it, the, the podcast is called Callings, uh, and it's conversations about college, career, and a life well-lived. So a lot of the themes that we've been talking about. So yeah. obviously, these are things that Sarah and I think about, talk about, care about every day. And so I'd also point people in the direction of, of Callings as a podcast. All right. We'll, we'll include the links in the show notes uh, just to make that easy for them to connect there. You guys, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for the work that you do. Uh, thank you for your friendship. And uh, this is just a beautiful conversation. Uh, so glad we could reconnect like this. Thank you very much. So, so fun to reconnect with you, Ryan. And thank you. Thank you for what you do and love to your communities and to your family. Hey, thanks so much for watching, for listening. Uh, if you like this episode, please take a screen grab of it and share it with your with your bestie or whoever you think will enjoy it. Uh, if you want the show notes, you can go to enrollfilms.com slash 008. And all of the links and the things that we talk about on this episode are gonna be found there. It's enrollfilms.com slash 008. If you're ready to have a conversation about connecting with your ideal students, alumni, or donors, by using the power of emotive storytelling through video, email me. I am Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at enrollfilms.com. I am Ryan. I am not an email address, you guys, but I can be found if you go to email me at Ryan. <laughs> wow, I mean, this is great. Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at enrollfilms.com. You're welcome for that. Uh, seriously, thank you so much for listening. This is a joy for me to be able to uh, bring these awesome stories to you. And I hope to see you on next week's episode. If you have a suggestion for somebody that should be on the on the show, please introduce them to me via email or share this show with them and say, hey, you should reach out to these guys. Your story is amazing and powerful and the world needs to hear it. I would love to tell it. Thank you. See you next time. Here's to making a difference. <laughs>